Hi there, you're listening to We Just Like to Talk. I'm your host, Becky. And I'm Kara, and this is a podcast for easy listening about hard subjects. Today's topic is... Writing the Future of AI. So, Becky, we wanted to talk about what's being called AI or artificial intelligence and all of the hype that has popped up in the last year or so. Um, I thought I could maybe start us off by offering up uh, a bit of a, a brief explanation of what exactly it is that we're calling AI right here, because it's a little bit of a misnomer. And while I'm not a a scientist or a, a computer scientist by any means, I do have quite an interest in like technology and, and I, I've read up a lot on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I love it. Let's go for it because I'm sure I'm going to learn stuff just from you speaking. So <laughs> <laughs> shit that I didn't know. <laughs> so we're talking about um, the the new line of tools that have really just kind of risen in popularity in the last year or so. The most popular one, I think, the most well-known one is ChatGPT, uh, which is uh, was created by OpenAI, uh, but there are others. And in the popular parlance, we've started calling them artificial intelligence or AI, but these are not the killer robots and Skynets that we see in the movies. These are not thinking sentient uh, programs that understand the world the way humans do. Uh, Sometimes called generative AI because they're used to generate things like uh, large blocks of text or some of them will make images for you. Really what these are, are a special set of machine learning algorithms called large language models or LLMs. And what they do is you give them a whole bunch of text. So a lot of, uh, you know, stories, articles from the internet, uh, probably most, if not all of Wikipedia, basically anything uh, that you can get your hands on, depending on what you want to train these models to do. And these models ingest all of that text and uh, they apply sophisticated statistical algorithms such that when you prompt the model, so that's what people are doing when they're having this little conversation with the chat GPT chat bot uh, or with Microsoft Bing or Google's own proprietary BARD uh, large language model in its search engine. When you prompt these models uh, and you say something like, "Hmm, make me a recipe for spaghetti, right? Or you say something like, create a poem for me about cats. (laughs) The large language model uh, uses its algorithm to process what you're saying. It breaks it down in a way that it understands. We call those tokens. Um, And then it 
spits out a response, but it's not thinking. It doesn't actually understand what you're saying to it. So if you ask for a poem about cats, the large language model doesn't know what a cat is. It doesn't know what a poem is. All it can do is, based on the text you've trained it on, it can use statistics to predict which words to put together. And the very early versions of these large language models, like GPT-1 and 2, they weren't very good at this. They could do like two or three lines of text, a couple of sentences at most, and then they would lose the plot. Um, GPT-3 and now GPT-4, they're more sophisticated. They're better at bluffing for longer before they forget what they were saying. (laughs) So I think it's really important when we have this conversation, Becky, um, and it's something that's really kind of one of my pet peeves about this is the way that people overhype this by calling it AI. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not what it's not intelligence. It's, It's that's not what it is. When you're having a conversation with ChatGPT, you're not talking to another intelligence or another being. Mm-hmm. You're talking to a computer model that's just guessing at what word to put after the previous word based on statistics. So a more accurate label is large language models or LLMs, or um, in a recent article uh, in the Financial Times that interviewed science fiction author Ted Chiang, uh, he said we should be calling these things applied statistics because that's what they are. And that breaks through the magic and the hype. Uh, really. All these things are is just really complex math. Mm. Wow, that was a fabulous description of what we're calling, you know, AI tools. And I also love that you brought up the fact that so many people have been jumping on this bandwagon. And I know you and I have talked about this before, but it's to me concerning because I'm just thinking like, where's the critical thinking when it comes to you know, this tool specifically. And why are people so ultra excited when there are so many downsides to this tool, you know? Absolutely. So how are you seeing ChatGPT and similar so-called AI tools in your line of work as a copywriter? Well, me personally, I'm not using any of these tools. I did at one point (laughs) use, I did use a tool, but it was more for like SEO purposes and for keyword Mm -hmm. and a little bit for the research part. But even that I had to be very weary of and very um, critical when I was doing the work because you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be transparent here. I was, I was writing an article for, an accounting firm, they had asked me, can you write an article about cash flow apps? And so I was using this tool mostly because it was part of our process. And, you know, going forward as a copywriter, I am going to make sure that it's more of like my process with my client instead of the reverse, unless they're really adamant about, you know, doing something a certain way because they found it to be efficient or whatever. Um, anyway, so this was more for, again, this was more for SEO purposes and for keywords and, and that kind of stuff. But I had asked this tool, you know, cause when I had started, I would just 
basically start off with the research part of it. And this tool, phrase.io, actually pulled up instead of cash flow apps, it pulled up uh, software accounting Boo. or accounting software. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it kind of, uh, misled me and, you know, with some of the accounting software, it also had like some cash flow apps. So it was just kind of all over the place. And I was like, this is very confusing to me that this app is like not leading me in the right direction. So, you know, going back to it and really researching myself and seeing like, Hey, what are the what are actual like casual apps, then I can properly, you know, write the article. So yeah, so that's been my brief experience with it. But I think that, you know, there's a lot of copywriters that are concerned, you know, oh, will these AI tools like take over my job? I know that some copywriters do use it, but it seems to me like they're using it more as a tool and not to just solely rely on it, which mm -hmm. I think is, is good and that's fine. But I've also seen people on LinkedIn saying, hey, you know, I became so reliant on this tool that I was having a hard time brainstorming, let's say like headlines or titles or um, subjects for their blog posts or, um, you know, maybe they'd get stuck on, they'd have writer's block, so then they would use this tool. And they were saying that they got so reliant on this tool that they began to realize like, oh, like I'm not using that part of my brain as much to really like the creativity aspect, like the brainstorming part. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to, you know, I was starting to become uh, in a sense like less creative. That's such a good point. Um, yeah. I, I think what that speaks to is the pressure we put a lot of copywriters under when it comes to how much you have to produce, how much content you have to put out there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that one of the reasons that um, copywriters are turning to tools like ChatGPT, um, as well as entire publications are turning to these tools, is because we've created an environment where um, you're motivated to turn out fresh content at these frightening paces. And I know that you have experience with that from a previous mm -hmm. job when you were fresh in Montreal and you were working <laughs> for a publication and they were expecting you to write, I don't know, how many articles a day Five or something? Five articles a day. <laughs> Five articles a day. So can you imagine if you if you had access to ChatGPT back then, you definitely would have used it. Oh, yeah. I'd be turning out like six articles a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 all right. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I know that a publication like CNET, was, it got, they got in, in trouble kind of in hot water because they were using ChatGPT to wholesale generate articles about finance, uh, finance. And, you know, the articles had factual errors. Um, but one of the reasons they did that is because there is pressure to just constantly be publishing new content. And mm. that's not sustainable. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of the missteps that we're seeing right now when it comes to the use of these tools, it's happening because people are seeing them as a potential solution to the wrong problem. People are like, oh, right. I can use ChatGPT 
to help me generate ideas or even wholesale parts of the 12 articles I need to write today. But I think the real problem is, why do you need to write 12 (laughs) articles today? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. Because it it shouldn't just be about the quantity. Like, that definitely shouldn't be the most important thing. Like, I would rather write something that's of quality and that takes me more time. Mm -hmm. um, And then I use, like, my perspective, my creativity, and my research skills, rather than relying on some tool to just churn out shit content. <laughs> right. And, and I think that because, that's because, you know, you value working with clients who are very authentic. You know, they're usually yeah. entrepreneurs or small business owners and, and they want mm-hmm. that. I can't believe I'm going to say this, that artisanal <laughs> copy from you. <laughs> Um, whereas unfortunately for these larger platforms mm-hmm. that might previously have turned to more corporate copywriters for their content, at the end of the day, they don't care about the human connection made by their words. They don't even really care about the quality of the articles. They just yeah. need to generate vaguely plausible sounding text to get people to, either for SEO purposes or once people are on their site, uh, just to exist, to have pages that exist to serve us ads, right? And that's it's this really like nihilistic um, idea of what it means to be online where it's like, I know a lot of people are kind of thinking we're in this uh, prelude to an information apocalypse where uh, the world is, the the internet is just going to be filled with all of this AI generated garbage mm-hmm. um, for adver- for advertising purposes and then the next generation of large language models will get trained on that garbage. And, and that's it's actually a concern mm-hmm. of these machine learning researchers. They're like, what will happen if the runaway success of the existing generation of models uh, pollutes our corpus of, of source texts for the next generation? Mm. Hmm. I didn't, yeah, I didn't really think of it in that sense, but... I could see that being a huge, huge issue. Um, and also, I will, you know, I will say that anytime I've seen a contract position being advertised, you know, they're like, contract, you know, freelance copywriter. I'm like, okay, cool. Because I like to check those things out just in case I am interested. Um, of course. You know, in working with a certain company or trying something new. So I've seen lately a lot of these contract positions and I'll always look into, you know, what does the role entail? What are their values, et cetera, et cetera. And I've seen a few now being like, and the copywriter is expected to use an AI tool to help them write articles or, you know, website copy or whatever. And I'm like, it just seems so yucky to me. And as soon as I see that, I'm just like, nope, like, not even going to bother applying to that company because my values don't align with them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, no, thank you. I'm not, I'm not interested in that next. (laughs) Right. And and fortunately you have the ability to be choosy both in terms of there's other potential contracts out there for you. And also obviously Mm -hmm. as a freelancer, you have that model as well. And I guess one of the questions is, you know, what will happen if we get into a model where 
these tools do become part of the standard package, right? And, and it's harder and harder to find contracts right. that don't require you to use those tools. That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know if like maybe by then I'll have adopted it to some degree or I just choose a different career path. This is where we reveal to our listeners that this entire the script for this entire episode was generated by ChatGPT. <laughs> yep, and our outline as well for the for the show. <laughs> um so so I guess let's talk about this this idea of mm-hmm. you know will AI replace your job? No. Why not? Think that if I were a shitty writer and I was just, I think if I didn't have experience with research and I didn't have experience with writing and I didn't have experience in marketing, I would be maybe a little bit more concerned. But I know that I'm a good writer. I wouldn't say I'm a great writer because I think that takes years and years and years. I believe if you're not a great writer, Becky, then you must be verging on greatness. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and that's not to say that I'm like, let's say in the next like five years, no, I'm not that concerned. I don't think the tool is where it needs to be. I think that like you were mentioning before of these um, large language models is that for the most part, it's, you know, let's say your example was so great, you know, a, a poem about cats. Well, this tool doesn't really know what a cat is. It's not injecting any perspective. Doesn't know what sarcasm is. You know what I mean? Doesn't know what like being sassy is like. Right. So, no, it it doesn't. It's just predicting yeah. this is what sassy text will sound like. And Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just think, no. And I think... The content that I've seen, you know, people, let's say somebody in marketing or, you know, somebody who's an entrepreneur and they're like, I've seen these posts and, and I think it's fun that people are just trying it out and, you know, Hey, here's what I, here's the information I put into this tool. Here's what I got. What do you guys think of the content? Right. And I've just, it's just so robotic. It's just so plain. And I feel like a lot of the times these tools just like regurgitate what's being, what was being put into them, if that makes any sense. Like, oh, a hundred percent. That's why, um, you know, like a lot of people have been trying to label these tools plagiarism machines, basically, because Mm. that's all they can do. All they can do. And they're not spitting out like word for word, line for line from other places, but Mm -hmm. these models can't create they don't have that spark of creativity that humans have so all you're doing is you're taking what you fed into it you're grinding it up and you're basically (laughs) making sausage um and and that it might be tasty but is it good for you probably not yeah so okay so now i'm curious like do you think do you think ai will take over for writers or, or copywriters no, I, I think that you really nailed it with your explanation there, which is mm-hmm. uh, in the short term, absolutely not. I think that we're already starting to see the holes in, in this uh, hype around these models mm-hmm. uh, as people keep pushing what they can do with them. I know from my position as a teacher, uh, there's been a lot of concern over students 
basically writing whole essays with things like chat GPT. Oh, and wow. like, those are valid concerns. Um, but I think part of that is then, well, maybe, maybe your assessment wasn't very good if a student could fool it using chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I think a lot of what we're seeing right now is a fad and it will die down and the industry will adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want to try to make the argument that we will never have technology that can generate good copy? Probably not, just because um, I think when it comes to writing, you know, depending on, but depending on the type of copy, like maybe the stuff that models like ChatGPT churn out is 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 good, right? Like if mm-hmm. you're talking about like product descriptions for a whole bunch of new dresses or something on a website, yeah. Do you really want to have to write product descriptions for all these different dresses when instead you could be writing, you know, the newsletter copy, right? Like, I I think that there are some probably some good arguments for how we can deploy these tools to work smarter and not harder, right? Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, if it can take over the more like tedious work, like writing product descriptions, I think that's good. What we what we will see is we're going to see more of a demand for the niche that you found yourself in, which is good for you, I guess, which is right. it's the demand for the, the copywriters doing the more artisanal stuff that needs right. that human connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. And the, the copywriting that's more kind of content mill stuff yeah. will increasingly be farmed out to AI for better or for worse. Um yeah. So so yeah, so for those copywriters out there who are like, oh, should I be should I be worried about my job? Absolutely not. Yeah. Your your job might change a little bit and you may find yourself having to pivot, but that's true in every industry. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think what you and I are trying to get at, Becky, right, is these tools, at least as they currently exist, are not creative tools. And so if the of the copywriting project that you're doing is a creative goal and not merely let's generate a bunch of words to take up space on a screen or on a page, <laughs> um, then AI can't do that. AI can try and it's going to do a terrible job and it and it might work in some circumstances, but it's not going to work as well as a human. I love that. That's very well put. Yeah. And I think going back to you know, being able to really notice like when content is produced by AI. I don't know if you've experienced this, but uh, on one of my posts on LinkedIn, and I wish I screenshotted it at the time, but I was going through the comments on a post and I saw that this person, they're like a second level connection had commented and it was a it was a pretty lengthy comment. And so I'm like reading it and I'm like, oh, this was generated by AI. They didn't add any new insight. This isn't their perspective. Mm. It wasn't even a creative comment. There was no emojis. There was no like, I mean, not that that's like a telltale sign, but right. you know, g- give me a little something extra. <laughs> Busted. Yeah. And the way that I could tell was that basically this comment just regurgitated and like slightly rephrased what my post had said and i'm like this is such this is like the epitome of laziness and social media is meant to be social 
it's meant for human right for human connection like even though it's not in real life it's like you know through a platform which is fine because yeah. you can connect to anyone around the world which is pretty cool but that's the whole point is that like you are going to certain posts you're connecting with people and you're leaving like genuine authentic comments not using ai to generate right. for you thank you i i i completely agree and i i think it goes back to this question of like what do we want to use this technology for and, and mm-hmm. what kind of connection do we want, we want to keep as human connection i think a really good example i've two i've two really good examples of the use of this generative uh, technology the first is um there's a service called do not pay which basically what they've done initially they started off is just kind of like giving you scripts that you can follow when you're trying to cancel uh, a service like cable or a subscription or something. Hmm. But now with the rise of ChatGPT and other tools, um, what they do is they'll basically use those tools to have a conversation with the chatbots that are trying to stop you from unsubscribing, right? So if you're on a website and you start a little chat, um, very often these days, you don't initially start by chatting to a human, you start by yeah. chatting to, uh, you know, a chatbot. And so they're like, well, why don't we have the chatbots talk to each other, basically? Uh, and and sometimes they even do this with a, a human operator on the other end of the line. And I mean, mm, I don't know how I feel entirely about that. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to have to waste my valuable time yeah. fighting with either a chatbot or an, a poorly paid customer service representative to cancel a subscription. No, I don't want this special offer that's just for me because I'm so great. Um, (laughs) You know, so yeah, make the AI do it. Um, I think that's a really good use of AI uh, to to work around the hell that we've created for ourselves. Um, Right. But, and and so my second example of a really good use, it's a a website, it's a little collection of tiny tools. It's created by a mutual of mine on, on Twitter um, it's called Goblin Tools. So if you go to goblin.tools, or if you look in your app store, it's available as an app on iPhone and Android. Uh, and it's got, uh, it does a magic to-do list. So you can type in a task and it will break down the task for you in as much detail as you want. Oh, wow. Uh, and it can tweak. Uh, it's got a formalizer, so it can tweak the wording of a message to make it sound more formal or more sarcastic or whatever. Um so, so lots of little tools, especially good for neurodivergent people who have trouble like putting together a step, the steps that like breaking down a task into steps or mm. um, who are like, oh, I don't know if this email I'm, I'm about to send to my boss sounds bitchy, you know, yeah. uh, can somebody read it for me? So I, I, I like how that's a very creative use. It's not trying to replace content. <laughs> it's trying to basically it's harnessing what these models are, which is applied statistics. It's saying, let's use this complex math to help us solve these little problems. And I think that's great. Wow. That's amazing. Actually, like while you were mentioning it, like, and explaining what the tool does, I typed it in and I'm like, Ooh, I really, I really like the interface. And it kind of reminds me of notion a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but that's amazing. I want to like, I want to test out this tool because yeah, sometimes I think even for myself, like, it's not that I have like a hard time prioritizing tasks, but I, I do agree like when it is such a big task, it can feel daunting. And sometimes you're like, hmm, you know, how do I get from 
point A to point B without feeling like ultra overwhelmed. And I think this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is like a great tool to, to essentially break it down for you. That's awesome. So we've talked about whether we think uh, AI is going to replace our jobs, copywriting, copy editing, teaching, like whatever you put out there. Mm-hmm. We've obviously come down on the side of no, not right now. But sometimes I think the counter argument to that then becomes, well, not right now, but when, right? Like if these tools will just get better. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You know <laughs> what, Becky? What, I am so fucking tired of these white male tech bros telling me that ai is inevitable that it's the future you know i had this it, they're everywhere you you cannot go anywhere online without them popping up and yelling at you <laughs> I, but there was this one particular guy i remember on linkedin mm-hmm. he commented on an article that you had also commented on so that's how i saw it i saw your comment and then i saw his and i, I had to reply i had to jump into the replies to his comment <laughs> Um, Because he's like, oh, yeah, like, uh, you know, startups that can't afford copywriters are always already using AI. And I've invested in NVIDIA because it's like the leader in this field, which like, (laughs) okay, dude, like you want to sound like you know more than you do. Yes, NVIDIA is doing research in AI and offering enterprise AI solutions, but so is every other fucking tech company on earth. Like, yeah, you just want to sound like you know more. Um, and that's my problem with it is is all all of these tech bros want to sound like they know what's up and they don't, but they come across with so much confidence. And it's mm. like, you don't know anything. And then to have the unmitigated gall to suggest that it's acceptable, that it's ethical for startups, uh. instead of hiring humans to do work to cut corners and cut costs by using AI to generate their copy with the excuse of, oh, but but we're just a poor little startup and we can't afford to pay humans to do this for us. It, it's like, well, then maybe you're not a viable startup if you can't afford humans to do your marketing. Ooh, preach. And also mic drop because, <laughs> yeah, like someone's got to tell them what's up. And guess what? Like AI isn't the end all be all, bro. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm also very sick of people saying like, oh, like, you know, AI is similar to back in the day when like the telephone was invented or like the internet became about and people were like skeptical about it. And then now look at us. And it's like, and then they go on to say like, well, you should just, hop on board now or like you're just going to get left in the dust and it's like no actually that's that's a horrible comparison I think and you know I know we had this conversation previously and when we were talking about how AI has just like been popularized or overhyped or or whatever and I was thinking like damn this is way too similar to crypto You know, like the hype about crypto. And I don't know if you remember this, but people saying like crypto is going to be our new currency. Like you better hop on to crypto or like, 
like what? <laughs> like I'm going to need to be getting paid in Bitcoin or whatever the fuck. <laughs> like, no, I, and then yeah. look what happened to that. It's like, it wasn't regulated. You know, it was overhyped. People weren't being critical. And this is like, mm-hmm. you know, goes back to our point from before, like, where's the critical thinking? It's just like blind. It's almost like blind following. It's like, oh, this thing is popular. I better jump on it or I'm going to be like an outsider. And yeah, so, yeah, the, peop- the people who are shilling for AI, AI are yeah. the people who were shilling NFTs, who were the people yeah. who were shilling crypto, right? Like, and in, in this climate, either you've been hoodwinked because you lacked the, the critical thinking, as you said, mm-hmm. or you are it's intentionally tested. deceiving people. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. the one trying to make money out of a, basically what's a Ponzi scheme. Because to go back to what you were saying about, well, but maybe AI is this paradigm shift, like a telephone or internet thing. It's like, right. not yet, not really. No. Arguably, maybe that shift has already happened. Mm-hmm. Um, in the LinkedIn article I first wrote about this, where I said, I want the future of AI to be boring. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the point I was trying to make, which is, the most effective uses of these tools are mm-hmm. the ones that we don't see. They're the recommendation algorithms. They are yeah. the, the, the wayfinding algorithms on your, our phones. And we're trying to get around on maps and stuff. Like right. they're all the little ways, the subtle ways they're, you know, when you're doing a video call, um, zoom or any other technology can use these AI algorithms to, uh, replace dropped frames or to improve the quality of your sound. Mm. Like there are so many uses for AI that are currently happening or just being rolled out, mm-hmm. but we will never know. Like the average person is never going to know that that, that involves these AI tools because it's mm-hmm. not a flashy thing. It's a subtle thing. Mm. Um, See, and, and like, I didn't even know like half of those things. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, it makes sense. Like, it makes sense. And I totally agree with you. Like, it should be a boring thing where it's like, it shouldn't be like replacing our creativity. It shouldn't be replacing like thousands and thousands of jobs. Well, and if, if it does replace a job, yeah, the person who did that job needs to have a better job to go on to. Yes. Like that's the issue. You know, people like to throw around the label Luddite as a pejorative when you talk about technology coming for jobs and they're like, don't be a Luddite. But the Luddites historically weren't protesting advances in technology. They were protesting unfair Mm -hmm. labor conditions created by the advances in technology. They just wanted to work because they needed to feed their families and the technology of the day was pushing them out of their jobs with no other jobs available for them to do. Mm. Um, so, so that's the, that's the problem is when I hear these tech bros talking about talking so gleefully about being able to cut costs and eliminate positions because of AI, mm-hmm. what I'm hearing is that you only care about maximizing your profit, your shareholder value. Yep. It, and, and you don't care about making sure that everybody has, you know, a job, has a roof over their head. Um, so I've reached a point, Becky, where, and I'm just mm-hmm. getting like more and more strident about this. I think it's unethical 
for people mm. to talk about, oh, AI is going to take, 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 take our jobs. It's mm. unethical to talk about it as an inevitability because, sorry, yep. <laughs> repeat that. It's unethical to talk about it as an inevitability because basically what that does is it results in a phenomenon known as manufacturing consent, which is basically when uh, mm. if you repeat something enough times, people will start to believe that it's true. There's nothing we can do to fix climate change, Becky, so we might as well keep burning fossil fuels. Hmm. It's this, um, it's like this doomsday attitude is what I can't mm-hmm. stand. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I've also seen it from like fellow copywriters. Sure, because who, people are a little scared. Yeah, which which I totally understand. It's it's the fear that has been planted and now it's like growing inside of their brain and now they're spitting out that information and fear is so contagious. You know, mm-hmm. like they're fueled by the fear. Then you're like then you're sort of thinking like, "Hmm, am I being um too close-minded am i like the ostrich you know with with (laughs) the head and with its head in the sand or am i being overly optimistic but i just i don't know i always come back to i value the work that i do i value who i work with i (laughs) value i value that we share the same values you know what i mean so it's like i base my work and who i work with off of that so like you said, you. some of these companies that want to be um, telling copywriters, like, you must use AI in your work. Not like, mm-hmm. oh, we use it as a tool. And, and to be specific about it, right? Like, we use it as a tool to maybe brainstorm ideas. But even that, I'm like, well, aren't those ideas sort of plagiarized? Like, where are these ideas coming Could from? Be. Yeah. So. Yeah I, yeah, I I agree with you so completely. When people tell you that AI is inevitable in this sense of like taking over jobs and stuff, they're showing you who they are. They're showing you that they don't value uh, human labor and participation in these economic systems. Mm -hmm. Um, They just care about making the most money they can. And those are not people I want to work with personally. Yep. You know, it's not inevitable. We we have to stop acting like this is something happening to us that we have no <laughs> control over, no say in, right? We can decide collectively as an industry what we want this industry to look like five or 10 years from now. Uh, you know, a good example of that is right now the Writers Guild of America is on strike. And, and there's many, many reasons that they're on strike. There's a lot of issues at the bargaining table But one of the most salient issues right now is that if Hollywood gets its way, they would want to use these AI tools to generate either entire movie scripts or at least like first passes or to take the work that writer human writers have done and change it or train off of it. Because ultimately their goal, of course, is to eliminate the cost of having to pay humans to write movies. Mm. And they don't care if these tools are spitting out terrible garbage movies. You know, all they care about is making money for their shareholders. They don't care about the art of movie making. 
and so the cynics out there who are like, well, you know, AI is just going to be the future, whether you like it or not, are basically saying, well, so we should give in to a shitty movie industry where everything <laughs> is just repackaged blockbusters. Like, no, like go on strike like the WGA mm-hmm. is, right? Like good for them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they win a contract with pr- protection from this use of AI. We can choose as a society not to use these tools in that way. And I hope that we will. So I think my final question for you, Becky, um, Mm -hmm. is, you know, what are some other ways that we can shift this conversation? Mm. Maybe instead of focusing so hard on AI and like, what can AI do and what can't AI do? Maybe instead it's like, maybe we should be asking things like, well, what makes a great writer? Maybe it's just shifting to the humans and shifting away from these tools, you know? Yes. The focus yeah. should always be on our fellow humans because at the end of the day, we're what fucking matters, right? We're the ones buying yeah. these products, using these services, yes. talking to people. Why would we want to create a future where it's just the robots talking to each other and none of us have jobs. Um, <laughs> you know, like terrible. The, the thing that I think about is how 10 years ago it was the yeah. AIs are going to replace cars, right? Like we'll have self-driving cars. That. And so the, the AIs are going to replace taxi drivers, right? Taxi drivers will be out of a job, but the AI is going to drive the car. Turns out making AI drive cars really super fucking hard. Humans yeah. are very good at driving. Computers, not so much. Um, so hmm. they've decided, you know what? you know what we could do text generation so now it's suddenly like now it's only like the the ais aren't going to do the jobs you don't want to do the ai the ais are going to do the fun creative jobs that people enjoy doing and you are going to be stuck driving the car around right like it's this whole like flipping of the script is this whole reversal and it's all driven by capitalism and the, Mm. the desire for money and profit when as you said the focus should be on humans. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. What about you? Like when, when somebody is, you know, deep in an AI rabbit hole, or, you know, like how how do you want to shift the conversation when it comes to these AI tools? I want to remind them that they have a choice. Mm. It is not inevitable. We can all, each individual choice and then each collective choice, right? Whom do you choose to work with? Like you were saying earlier, right? Are my values compatible with your values? We need to be more intentional. And as long as we do that, we can shift and we can craft a future for our industries that is more human-centered and it's more compassionate and, you know, I, I believe that that is what's right, not just because I'm 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 pro business but anti-capitalist. I want more compassionate business out there mm-hmm. that isn't focused solely on how can I make piles and piles of money, but is instead focused on how can I create value not just for shareholders, but for our world, our society. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to see more people doing that, and that's that's how we can shift this conversation. I got chills from that. <laughs> Becky, if if anybody would like to formulate a chat GPT generated response to our podcast episode, where would they send that to us? 
You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We just like to talk. You can also email us. We just like to talk at gmail.com. You can follow Kara and or I on Instagram. Chances are you probably already do. And also LinkedIn. And yeah, we also have a website. We just like to talk.com. Gosh, I hope it's .com. That'd be really embarrassing if it was like .ca. <laughs> it, no, it's it is. Okay. <laughs> it is. Yes. Well, thank you, Becky, a fellow totally human being, for talking to me about talking to me, a fellow totally human being, about this issue. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope you're not actually an AI tool that I'm speaking with, because that would be really awkward if all of a sudden at the end you revealed that. Me. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha